This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. And it's showtime. Adam Ritz here with you. Jay Baker on the phone. Hi, Jay. How's it going? It is going great, Adam. I hope you are having a great day. Having a great weekend. The big game uh, for most of our stations airing our show on uh, Sunday mornings. Uh, Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I believe we are allowed to say uh, Super Bowl as long as we're just talking about it as a pop culture event and not trying to sell anything. Yes, you cannot associate the name in any manner, shape, or form with a commercial enterprise other than the already agreed-upon official sponsors of the Super Bowl. Now, while we do not have uh, written consent from the National Football League, I will say I love the Super Bowl. Um, I do too. Now I don't is uh, so later tonight when we watch the game. I'm I'm not aware uh, which network it's on. Uh, is it on Fox this year? You know, I forgot to check on that. I actually have some very interesting Super Bowl facts for our uh, for our incredible fan base, but I forgot to check to see who does it because, as you know, when these networks put together the NFL package, the one cherry that they absolutely want on the top of the Sunday is the Super Bowl broadcast itself. Well, I will tell you, uh, I just did a quick search with our uh, research team here at uh, the Adam Ritz Show, <laughs> and it is on Fox this year. Fox, okay. Uh, and I'm glad because I have a, a little story about Fox Sports to kick off this uh, episode of Public Affairs Radio. Uh, Fox Sports has um, donated um, pretty much a brand new house to a veteran in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I believe I have uh, the city right. I know it's in Arizona, but I saw this story this week and I just thought that's great, you know, with sports and just how excited uh, Americans get around sports, sporting events in general, let alone a big weekend like this where, you know, literally a, a, th- a fourth, maybe maybe two-thirds of the country is going to watch this game. Uh, it's nice to know that uh, the people behind the network are doing good works as well. So, we tip our uh, football helmet to the people at Fox Sports for helping out with the veterans in Arizona and uh, renovating the house. What they did was they renovated the house. So, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, older homes are they're, they're just not practical and in, in some cases not safe. So it's great to come in and help a veteran out in that regard. So when you're watching the game later today on Fox uh, network, think about uh, the good works that Fox Sports is doing to help out veterans across the country. Now, you and I have been associated with big events at different radio stations that we've worked at. Can you imagine being the chief broadcast team for a sporting event that, at the very least, will have 100 million people watching and upwards to 120 million people could potentially watch this year's Super Bowl? It is insane to think about the amount of people watching that event, especially now that media is so splintered. I know uh, award shows get hammered because their ratings drop every single year, and you know nobody really watches uh, the Oscars or the Grammys like they used to. Uh, they there used to be 
uh, 80 million people watch the Grammys. Well, now it's like, right. I, don't, I don't know what the Grammys just happened. I think I'm going to guess about 12 million people watched it. That's still a big number, but it's yeah. certainly not uh, the tens, almost hundreds of millions of people that used to tune in. Well, there's just too many YouTube channels now. There's too many Mr. Beasts out there taking up your time. <laughs> and uh, you don't have any time left just to go to a, you know one of the four networks to watch TV. Like when you and I were kids, there were four channels. That's it. People at the That's radio right. station, we've got 20-somethings working here at the radio station. They cannot fathom growing up in a world where you only had four TV channels to choose from. And it's so cool to think after all this time and all the splintered media that there's still 100 million people that are going to watch uh, the Super Bowl. I think I might have said earlier in this show that two-thirds of America will watch it. I meant a third. Uh, so I correct myself. Yeah, no, I, it's not like I'm the expert on it, but the absolute all-time Super Bowl record is 114.4 million. And they just said this year that the NFL has just, you know, sort of reinvigorated itself with the fan base. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs certainly have been a storyline three of the last four Super Bowls, they, they're in it. And there was a lot of parity in the league because I would have told you the two best teams in football were probably the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills for most of the year. Yeah. And at the end, you know, of course, uh, you know, the, the teams fall, but they didn't even get to the Super Bowl, either one of those teams. So it, it's just been an amazing year. And, uh, you know, once again, we've always talked about it. it's easy to say, but are there any more stellar athletes than NFL players? Because even the second or third string guy on your team is still a pretty formidable athlete. Just so fast, quick, powerful, uh, watching these guys run. Uh, it's just amazing. And uh, the hits they take, I know the hits that, you know, they're trying to control those and get them not completely out of the game, but uh, you, you can really tell. Um, I, I noticed just last week in one of the, I think in the uh, NFC Championship game, there were a few sacks where 10 years ago the defender would have mauled the quarterback. And I mean, right. the kind of hit you could hear on TV. And a couple of these sacks, like the defender just sort of grabs the quarterback like look I got you there's no way you're getting out of this bear hold this is going to be a sack I'm saving your life and I don't want to get a 15-yard penalty have you noticed the hits are are kind of getting you know friendlier (laughs) well it's it's almost like uh martial arts almost you know it's hey I'm going to knock you over but it's not going to be, I'm going to knock you over. And then you're going to have, uh, you're going to be sitting in a cervical collar on the sidelines. You know? Yeah. It used to be, I'm going to hit you so hard. Your family will feel it <laughs> now. It used to be, yeah. The old school Dick Butkus line, right. Where they said that we would hit you so hard that the coach wouldn't know what day of the week it was. And now it's, uh, I'm going to stop you and not get a penalty, not get fined, yeah. and and, uh, and help your health down downriver. Well, and two, you know, I think one of the things that the NFL should take great credit for is, as you said, to try to police the game to make it as uh, to make it as safe as possible, removing, you know, the opportunities for players to take helmet to helmet hits and things like that. But it, you and I know it really detracts from the game when the people that you love on your team, those star players, 
are sitting injured on the sideline. Right. It doesn't mean you need to orchestrate it in a way that nobody gets hurt. But you and I know it can be very frustrating if you say, well, Joe Burrow is my quarterback. Yeah, but he got hurt in week two and he hasn't been out there since. That's just not a fundamentally positive fan experience. No, it's not a it's not a movie you want to watch when the star of the movie uh, gets benched. Uh, you know what I was going to say from a public affairs radio perspective? This is a fantastic Super Bowl because the winner of the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is in the game. They announced yeah. that winner uh, – uh, during right at the beginning of the playoffs, right, right at the end of the season is when they announced the winner. Yeah, and I, I, it was uh, the midweek this week. We, yes, we'd like to see uh, how many times has the Walter Payton Man of the Year, who is awarded for being, you know, a great philanth, uh, you know, with their philanthropy, their foundation, the works they do in their community, how many times has that winner been in the Super Bowl? I bet it's not that often. So, no, uh, Patrick Mahomes was the winner this year with his um, with his foundation and the work he does in the Kansas City area. So that hopefully will be announced also during the telecast to bring some awareness to you know being a good person. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, I I've been pleased with how very positive the players are considered you know because we had that little sort of dust up in the 80s where a number of very prominent athletes would go hey i don't want to be a role model right uh, i'm just gonna go do whatever i want whenever i want and you'll have to deal with it and i'm not saying you know hey i've never been a pro athlete but you and i know that uh you have tremendous good fortune if you're patrick mahomes so it's terrific that you sort of share your goodwill by helping other people. Who do you uh, want to win this game? You know, I don't really have a favorite in a strange way because there was so much parity this year. I just wanted two teams that were good teams to be in the game. Technically, the Eagles are favored by a point and a half. So that shows you just how close it is because – Oftentimes, you know, they'll they'll say, oh, this team is favored by a touchdown or 10 points over the other team. This is going to be a fairly close uh, Super Bowl. I think if uh, Mr. Mahomes is in top shape, if his ankle's not bothering him, I, I think the Chiefs could win this game. I generally cheer for the AFC. I like more teams in the AFC. Um so I guess I would say I'm cheering for the Chiefs, but uh, either way, I I don't care to be honest with you. I, I yes. you know, hope hoping for a great game, a clean game, a fun game, an exciting game. I hate when it's uh, boy. We had a couple bowl games I was really looking forward to watching that were blowouts, and I stopped watching at halftime because they weren't even fun to watch anymore. So hopefully yeah, it's you, not a blowout either way, and it's a fun game. And uh, you and I love the collegiate. Uh, football so much and then as you said some postseason games that you were kind of looking forward to was like oh my team's down by 30 well this is really the game i was expecting you know it's not fun at all well adam in 1967 they had the very first super bowl ironically it did feature your kansas city chiefs they were in the game with the green bay packers so it's kind of cool that you had two very old school teams not only were they in the first Super Bowl, but they still are part of the NFL landscape. Tickets for the very first game, you want to take a guess what the very first set of Super Bowl tickets, uh, about the average price? 1967, I'm going to say uh, the face value was uh, $15. 
Well, guess what? The face value was closer to six dollars. Six dollars. You could get a, a Super Bowl <laughs> ticket for six dollars, and then brace yourself for this one because you and I know, no matter how crazy ticket prices get, whether it's a national championship game for the NFL or college, there's almost always a sellout because people want to be a part of that experience. The very first Super Bowl was not a sellout. There were still tickets available. There were still tickets available at the box office on the day of the game. First thing I'm doing when uh, I invent the time machine is I'm going to go to the first Super Bowl with $6 in my pocket so I can go to the game. <laughs> you go. Yeah, $6. And you, you and I both know that the popcorn and everything was probably very well priced. Well, today, uh, a ticket, I, I'm going to guess face value is about $1,000. And I bet they're, uh, they're scalping them for three and $4,000. Well, here's the thing, Kimosabi. It's worse than that. The average cost for the past five Super Bowls, the tickets have averaged price $5,000. Now, part of that is potentially because of the resale market, as you said, you know, the so called scalpers market. But yeah, the average price of a Super Bowl ticket is now right around $5,000. Yeah, and that's the scalper price, that's the resale price. And remember, you and I, uh, we had at one point in our radio careers this sort of uh, oh, overbearing boss, but he was insanely rich. And uh, there was a Super Bowl down in his hometown. And you and I, of course, later said, of course he went. Of course, he well, literally, just about he? 12 hours before the game, went on to the, you know, the, the secondary markets, as we like to call them, purchases the ticket, and he goes to the game by himself, but of course, because he didn't have a lot of friends. But that just slayed me that there, here's this guy probably spent close to ten grand to go. You know, you mentioned the first Super Bowl. Was was that the Kansas City? You said it was the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yeah, the Chiefs and, and the Green Bay Packers were the two participants. So what, an amazing piece of trivia that I, I can roll up into um, smoking and alcohol awareness. And for our young listeners, they if they didn't know this story, it's really hard to believe, and it's amazing. I'm going to include this photo on our website with this uh, with this show, when we post the show on our website, adamritzshow.com, uh, there's an amazing photo of Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Len Dawson at halftime of that Super Bowl <laughs> in the locker room. And he is sitting on the bench in the locker room with a beer bottle between his legs that he's drinking, and he's smoking a cigarette. Have you seen that picture? Yes. It is a world-famous photo, and it's just amazing to think a professional athlete at halftime of the Super Bowl would have a, a beer and a cigarette. It's pretty amazing how, you know, I mean, truly, you know, we refer to it as as old school, but that's an old school approach to sports. How old school is that? There's your alcohol <laughs> awareness and smoking awareness uh, for this week, that uh, that that flew in 1967. Uh, it does not fly today. That is not part of your health and fitness regiment. So anyway, the potential TV audience, as we said, the all-time record is 114.4 million. They think that they'll get close to that record for the Super Bowl. Maybe not over. Uh, but you and I both know that obviously those numbers will be pretty impressive. 
if the score is close at the end of the third quarter. Right. Yeah. The more the blowout, it always will be. You know how that goes. Now it's the second largest food day behind Thanksgiving. (laughs) That makes sense, doesn't it? It it really does. Consumption holiday. One in seven Americans will get some form of takeout. And pizza is the overwhelming choice. So you clearly see why the major pizza companies want to make sure get lined up and get plenty of promotion for Super Bowl Sunday because it's a pizza holiday. Do you have your menu ready? You know, I don't. Uh, I have tried to be super low-key about the Super Bowl because I used to go, a good friend of mine, uh lived in a neighborhood where they used to have an amazingly elaborate Super Bowl party, and it was kind of a pitch-in affair. And, I mean, everybody tried to outdo each other, so they had, you know, just absolutely top-flight food and appetizers and just about anything that you'd ever want. But I just found that that's just, that's just too much for me. I know that I sound like a wimp, <laughs> but it's like, oh, no more, you know, no more goose liver for me, please. I mean, it was out of control how, how much food there was at this event. Well, here's my plan. We are going to put the air fryer on the kitchen counter, and we are going to put items into the air fryer once every half hour through the entire okay. day. So possible Costco run in the future for me here in the next few days. Uh, prior, Again, this the recording of the show is before Super Sunday. So I've got a few days here to fill my freezer with taquito, taquitos and mott sticks and chicken fingers and waffle fries and just any, <laughs> and egg rolls and anything else you can put in an air fryer. And uh, I'm I, my goal is for this to be bigger than Thanksgiving, not number two. Yeah. I want this to be my number, number one. one. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not, one billion chicken wings will be consumed on Super Sunday. So a billion, uh, and four hundred thousand of them will be by Jay Baker alone. <laughs> I'll be ordering from my local wings place. We have a, a mutual friend who is. Uh, He's a part owner in a pretty big wings restaurant, and he was telling me confidentially that he goes, you can't really even wrap your mind around how many wings this place will sell on Super Bowl Sunday. And he said it's just he goes, obviously, it's a windfall for them, uh, but it only happens just that once. You know, it's like two weeks after the Super Bowl. He goes, it's right back to the usual number of wings that are sold but he said on super bowl sunday if you are a wings restaurant you have to make sure that you are up to uh up to capacity with all of your wing suppliers you can't waste any space in your freezer no uh on the cheesecake you've got to get rid of your desserts for that day <laughs> that's right and just use, use it, it for seriously. wings well this is probably not unexpected but 16 million Americans are expected to call in Monday after the game and say, oh, gee, boss, I'm not going to be able to make it into work. Oh, now do they call in sick or do they just honestly say, I ain't coming? I was watching the bowl last night. I was up late. I'm full. I'm hungover. I can't make it. Some workers, uh, if depending on planned time off and you know, flex holidays and things like that. They said probably about eight to 10 million workers will probably prearrange their Monday after the Super Bowl to just sort of have that day off. 
You know, there's been a push for for many years. I, I can remember in my maybe for 20 years now. I, I can remember the conversations of people saying, "Why don't they make the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday? Because it is such an American event. It is an American holiday." Um, why don't we just take the next step and make it a recognized holiday on the Monday so people can have a three-day weekend? I haven't heard. Well, much. you're not the only one. Yeah, they've been talking about it for quite a while. Now I know you know politics is uh, polarizing in America. If somebody, if if some lawmaker would really get behind that, talk about pulling the country together. Talk about yes. unity. Somebody <laughs> needs to reach across the aisle. Come on, and give us that Monday off. Can't we yeah. all get along? <laughs> Can't we all get along? Nobody wants to work uh, on that Monday. Well, if they'd serve chicken wings in Congress, maybe we'd get something done. <laughs> <laughs> One in five Americans will bet some amount of money on the Super Bowl, and of course, now I'm going to give you a, a phrase that'll make you sound. Just like your favorite uh, Martin Scorsese figure, the handle for the Super Bowl is $16 billion, with a B. $16 billion will be wagered on Super Bowl bets. $16 billion. Oh, my Just goodness. Just in America. Yeah, it's oh pretty amazing. My. And, of course, you know, one of the more popular forms of betting are the so-called proposition bets, the prop bets. And it's all the way from how long will the national anthem be? Who will score the first point in the game? Who uh, is the first touchdown pass going to be caught by a gentleman wearing an even or odd jersey number? Those are the kinds of bets that people really enjoy because the Super Bowl really does bring out the prop bets. They're fun to do. And uh, I actually went to... Las Vegas last year for the Super Bowl with my dad. It was sort of a bucket list trip for both of us, uh, and we, you know, we made all those prop bets and had a great time together as father and son. Uh, but we do want to mention uh, what you hear at the end of every gambling um, app commercial, and that is please play responsibly. Yes, uh, gambling and a gambling addiction is a is a, an issue in this country. Gamblers Anonymous is a great organization. If you're listening to this program, um, please be aware that that we are not glorifying gambling at all. It is a serious issue. If you can do it recreationally, uh, it's it can be like playing a video game. I mean, it can be fun sure. when you do it and do it responsibly. But uh, there are a lot of uh, families and 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 uh, lives that are are touched in a hugely negative way because of the gambling addiction. It is an addiction. So, yes, um, you have if to be you are careful. on the fence this weekend and you're like, oh, maybe I should make a bet, I, you know, and, and you and you are in that camp where you haven't made a bet in a long time because you you got bit once a few years ago. It's not worth it. Don't even don't even worry about it. Just watch the game and enjoy it. Yeah. It's interesting, though, how big it's become. In fact, uh, more states have uh, given the green light to uh, to actually betting on sporting events, sports books. And now there are 33 states plus Washington, D.C. that allow legal gambling. And the company that verifies locations says there were 550 million transactions during the NFL playoffs. So they're the company that measures the amount of traffic for all 
the sports books, but nearly, well, in fact, yeah, and over a half billion transactions during NFL playoffs. So your point's well taken. Uh, if this is part of your, quote, entertainment budget, and you feel like, hey, I'll bet 25 bucks on the Super Bowl, and if I lose, I lose. That's different from I'm chasing my bets, and I've just put the mortgage payment down on KC. Uh, we recommend you get help before you're doing that. You know, and with the with the apps that they have now, FanDuel and and the others, some there are some uh, sports books in Vegas that have their own app. So, you know, when those those little prop bets my dad and I made last year when we were in Las Vegas at the sports book in the casino, we we didn't even have to be there. We could have made those bets from our couch on their app. Yes, and that's when you can get into some big trouble because then it's. It truly is like a video game at that point. You're not like playing with real money. And then all of well, a sudden you you lose 10 in a row and that you realize this is real money I just lost. Well, absolutely. And I have friends that, you know, they'll have a couple of beverages in the privacy of their home. And next thing you know, they bought something off Amazon, but they didn't even remember <laughs> ordering. It just shows up on their doorstep two days later. Please, so Amazon, think, responsibly. <laughs> yes. So I think that the sports betting industry is kind of geared that way. You know, it's like, yeah, go ahead and make that uh, weird prop bet in the third uh, quarter as to which, uh, you know, which the stadium will sell more of, Coors Light or Bud Light. Go yeah. ahead, make that bet, you know. Uh, hey, here's an interesting note. Uh, they did a little research on dating apps, and they've proven that dating apps are detrimental. That's probably a duh. But here's <laughs> what's interesting. Americans are actually kind of addicted to dating apps. Okay. And here's why they say that there is still a, sort of an anxiety about being single, which may prompt you to have the dating app in the first place. But because many people will swipe to make a connection, they'll touch base with that person, but they rarely meet with them in person. So that was the follow up on this research. You've got the dating app, you're using it to meet people, but you're meeting people just in sort of a, you know, hey, Joe, I saw your picture. Yeah, Jane, blah, blah, blah. But they don't actually meet in many occasions. It's just sort of like connecting without connecting in person. They could realize that the other person probably doesn't look at all like <laughs> they say they look and or, or have accomplished what they say they've accomplished or what they're interested in. Uh, the online well, profiles are so exaggerated that, A, they don't want to get busted. Why would I show up to this date in person when they're obviously going to see that I don't look like Brad Pitt? Uh, and then, B, why would I show up in this to this date in person when I know she doesn't look like Julia Roberts? Well, and that's part of the problem is, you know, in my picture, you know, I've got the Olympic medal hanging around my neck, but it was a rental and it had to be back Saturday at noon. So you, you were the decathlon uh, <laughs> bronze medalist uh, in remember, 1976, weren't you? Right behind Bruce, Bruce yeah. Jenner. <laughs> well, remember, we always talked about that the Internet really ruined it for guys like you and me, because, you know, you'd tell some young lady, hey, I was the bass player in Looking Glass. You probably remember our hit song, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. <laughs> now, when you tell somebody that, she can actually find out that you're not 
uh, being truthful. You're right. She can yeah. look it up. Absolutely. Uh, hey, on a somewhat serious note, I know we're getting close to the end of the show, but mm-hmm. you know there was a terrible earthquake and building collapse in Turkey and Syria. The death toll has passed 20,000. So there are going to be a lot of people reaching out in a charitable way. And this is our favorite website as sort of a watchdog for all charities. It's called charitywatch.org, charitywatch.org. They are the ones that sort of police all the uh, charitable websites. And they actually have a full page about Turkey and Syria relief efforts. So I think uh, if you would like to give, and, and we know that a lot of people will be prompted to give because it's a, it's a, a horrible human tragedy that's happening there. So glad uh, uh, you brought that up. Uh, it is one of the worst uh, earthquake tragedies uh, in the history of this planet, 20,000 yes. uh, dead. And, you're, and I'm even more glad you brought up the... Um, the charity scam alert. If someone, the best thing to do, I think, if, is uh, if you want to give, give on a one-way street. You make the call. You go to the uh, phone number. You call them. You go to their website. You go find out the nearest uh, and best charity. Don't wait for somebody to contact you because that's how the scams work. They contact you and pull on your heartstrings, and then you feel guilty, give money, and then you find out it was a scam. So there's uh, the show for this week. Jay Baker, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I'll be uh, watching the game tonight with uh, wing juice all over my chin and my shirt, (laughs) and we'll uh, reconvene next week to talk about some of the charitable efforts of uh, Super Bowl weekend. This has been the Adam Ritz Show. You can learn more online, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.